0: Hey there, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have two people today, both authors, Karen Reed and Joseph Alvin. Karen's the CEO of Speaker Dynamics. She's also an Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist and now is focused on helping business professionals like you and me be more confident communicating. And then Joseph is a professor, In industrial and organizational psychology. Somehow they both met and came out with suddenly virtual, making remote meetings work. So let's find out about them. So, welcome, both of you.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Good to be here. Absolute pleasure. So, why don't we start with you, Karen? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, as mentioned, I am the CEO of Speaker Dynamics, which is a corporate communications training firm. Uh, We have global customers. So, uh, you know, this uh, way that we're conversing right now has opened the doors uh, to many more opportunities as well. So uh, I began as a broadcast journalist, uh, started doing a lot of on-camera work in the corporate world after I left uh, TV news. And what I found is that I would be brought in as the professional on-camera spokesperson, but more often they were bringing in people from the corner office or the corner cubicle uh, to appear on camera alongside of me and expect them to perform at the same level of skill. Uh, That often didn't work out well. So I recognized a business opportunity to teach business professionals how to be better on-camera communicators that has since uh, expanded to any platform. So that could be in-person, on-camera, or through virtual communication tools. But as you can imagine, over the past two years, uh, my services have been in much higher demand because video communication has been our special sauce. And suddenly, we went from you know training the executive leadership team to training the entire enterprise because business had to be done through a web him. Yeah. So, that is uh, kind of the story of, of how I got to be where I am and Speaker Dynamics came into being.
0: Well, how about you, Joseph? Tell us about yourself. Sure. So, I am a
1: professor at the University of Utah, as you mentioned, uh, of industrial and organizational psychology. But I best, I'm best described in terms of my research and in terms of what I do as a meeting scientist. And so what that is is someone who studies how meetings work in organizations and provides guidance on how to make them better and how to keep them from being derailed or becoming problematic for the organization. And so I I run the Center for Meeting Effectiveness at the University of Utah and work with a variety of clients and and contacts uh, trying to change how we meet for the better including virtually, as we've all been doing uh, in many ways for, for a couple of years, uh, as well as hybrid, as we transition to hopefully uh, less uh, COVID-related issues and, uh, and more business-related issues as we try to be flexible uh, and co- and collaborate into the future. So that's me in, in a nutshell. And I've, and I've been studying meetings for about a decade and a half. And uh And so, you know, done a lot of work in this space. And so, I'm very comfortable talking about all the different types and sizes and shapes of meetings and how they operate and how, and how, frankly, we can do better.
0: Awesome. And how did you both end up meeting and coming out with the book?
1: This feels like our first date story, Joe. Do you want me to tell it? (laughs) You always tell it better. And if I say it, then you're always like, well, actually it was this. And so I'll let you do it. So that way, you know, everybody knows the truth. (laughs) Yes. We do finish each other's sentences by now, Rajiv, like literally
2: and figuratively. So uh, we were actually both working as subject matter experts for a mutual client, and they brought us together to do this webinar on what meetings would look like uh, in the future. So, this was the first week of March uh, 2020. And we postulated that you know, five, 10 years out, virtual meetings were going to be <laughs> much more uh, prominent and video would be at their core. So, all of those things that we said would happen in like five to 10 years happened in like three weeks. <laughs> (laughs) Because if you remember what happened in March 2020, um, things went sideways very quickly. So uh, that is how we began our relationship is is through that webinar. But what happened was a couple of uh, months after uh, the pandemic really started taking hold, we kind of got back together, checked in with each other and found out that we were both Uh, drinking from the fire hose of of people who needed help in navigating these virtual meetings. And we said, you know, is there a way that we can amplify our work and our message? And that's how suddenly virtual came into being. Um, I had written a previous book through Wiley, On Camera Coach, uh, and I approached them about the idea of of working with Joe as a co-author, and and they were really excited about it. Fast-tracked the book, and we were able to get that out pretty quickly.
0: That's pretty awesome. So, you know, in your book, you talk about uh, virtual decompress, right? Mm -hmm. Can can you tell us what exactly does that mean?
1: Yeah, so virtual decompress, I think you're talking about uh, something in our second book, which just came out a couple, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, Suddenly Hybrid, where uh, in our first book, we talked a lot about how important it is to have the camera on because of the nonverbal cues and being able to see the people particularly people you don't know um how you can connect with them and understand who they are in our second book we 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 basically said we you know that you need to have the camera and it needs to be on most of the time but there are certain certain circumstances where uh you don't need to have the camera on and 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 the need to uh, to some degree decompress from the virtual from the video on virtual environment uh to some degree so for example you know i know karen really really well And because of that, I know what she looks like. I know what she sounds like uh, in terms of our conversation. So I can call her up on the phone. And when she says something sarcastically, I understand that. I know what she's saying. But if I had never met Karen, uh, and this was the first conversation I've, I've ever had with her, and I call her up. She may say something sarcastic, and I may not notice the, the the connotations or the or the sound that would indicate that. And because of that, I may draw conclusions from the conversation that are wildly different than what she intended. And so the the whole idea here is um, we need to use it judiciously and appropriately, particularly when meeting new people, but also uh, to to be able to communicate effectively, but also recognize that. We don't need to use video all the time for every single communication that we may have with someone.
2: So I think that's one of the factors, and the other factor too is like how much emotional heft is there to the content that's being discussed. So if you yeah. are simply trying to find out what your uh, dinner plans are for that night, you know the time and the place that does not require uh, video mm-hmm. to be on in a virtual meeting. Uh, you know that is yep. you know pretty pretty low stakes uh, conversation there. But if you're talking about something that is you know emotionally charged and and you need all of those nonverbal to accompany uh, the verbal, uh, you want to have your, your camera on so that you can all communicate in full. Because if you don't have your camera on uh, as a speaker, it's difficult to read the intent of your message. And if your audience doesn't have their cameras on, it's difficult for you to read the impact of your message. So, you know, it's kind of a recalibration, I would say, Rajiv, of, of you know, camera use um, because we didn't anticipate the meetingization of our lives where, you know, a lot of us are in meetings, you know, back to back to back for the entire day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of people blamed it on video call fatigue. You know, I postulated that it was operator error more than anything else. We just have too many (laughs) meetings. Um, And it wasn't Platform's fault that that was happening. Uh, So, you know, it's just kind of recalibrating how we were thinking about video in virtual meetings whenever it comes to hybrid. Um, But I would say if you are in a hybrid, Meeting and you're showing up remotely, if you don't have your camera on, you do run the risk of disappearing.
0: Hmm. Yep. So, and how does that apply in the virtual setting, right? So, one of the things, and uh, you know, I've talked to quite a bit of people over the last uh, several months, and you know, we lived in a world where the commute was. It's something that you were accustomed to. You got up, you commuted, mm-hmm. you went into the office. And after that, you were busy, either doing work or meetings or, uh, you know, working with your team or whatever you did. Suddenly, you show you're at home. You can't go to the office any longer. So that's where the dependency on, uh, you know, the virtual mediums in order to connect and get work done. <clears throat> on the one side, there's this big debate about how everyone was so much more productive, working from home mm-hmm. than being in the office and there's also this uh, uh, this other debate about hey i find more time with my family you know more quality time work life balance all of that stuff at the same time there's also this thing about hey i get to multitask now so my attention is drawn into multiple directions because i'm thinking and i'm i'm working and i can be on this meeting i can have my camera off and i can be listening to a meeting while I'm typing something else or doing something else. So there's, there's, the, there's that risk of, uh, you know, when you're multitasking, you're getting, your attention is getting drawn in so many different directions. And we are back into the paradigm now where companies are trying to uh, basically incentivize people to come back into the offices. Um, so, you know, it's come a full circle, so so to speak. Yeah. And there's and on the negative side, you know, there, there's the aspect of why since people are home, they don't have to be in person in the offices. There are several that have a, uh, that are that have desk jobs that could easily manage to uh, not one but two gigs at a time, you know. And mm-hmm. and, and there are people that are doing that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and now the question is, hey, since I got to go back into office now, I got to have one job and I got to focus on it, kind of a thing. Uh, this this has kind of been my observation over the last uh, you know uh, year to several months. Uh, is is this in line with what you're seeing or what your experience has been?
2: There are about five different topics that were addressed there. <laughs> I, know I know, so, I, I know, you know, I know. You know J- 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 why don't you go with you know talking just about um, you know the the complications of you know work life balance? I feel like yeah. that is in your yeah. your yeah. your wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, I mean the 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 issue that we have here is that uh, people, many many people have decided they like working from home, right? Okay. Um, because it's created for for some people a, a level of balance that they they didn't have before in their home, right? They were able to work for a few hours. Uh, go pick up the kid from school who who threw up or whatever, come back home, you know, work for a couple more hours, take the dog for a walk. So there's some flexibility, right? Which we've known for many, many, many years, people like, right? People like that in the job. Jobs that have more flexibility, more autonomy, more control are more satisfying. That's just the truth. And to be able to do that from home is even more nice, Right. Well, that's great for some people, but not for everybody. And so we're seeing that some people are like, no, 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 I really want to be back in the office because when I'm home, I don't want to work. I want to play, right? And I want to, maybe they're a gamer and so they want to play their video games. Maybe they um, have, maybe they're an exercise person. So they want to be on their Peloton all day. Whatever it may be, there are a lot more distractions at home. For me, it was the refrigerator, as you might be able to tell from looking at me, right? And so the reality is there are things that, got it, you know, that that are there that are distracting, right? Then you add another layer of things on it. You mentioned the commute earlier on, right? My commute went from being a half an hour to being seven steps, right? Woo-hoo! So I gained a half an hour time. What did we do with that time? We had more meetings and we worked longer, right? Well, that's a problem because that's not good for humanity, <laughs> okay? We already work enough and for a lot of people, that commute time, as problematic as it might be, if you're driving a car in the environment, we can get into that as, as another whole another topic. Um, that was time alone, away from maybe the kids' chaos, the cat's chaos, <laughs> alone and away from things. Hopefully, you have kind drivers around you, so you're not dealing with that. But book books, so, you know, listen to your your favorite book that you're listening to, or whatever a podcast, other things. People were doing that in the car, and that was a way to transition to work and a way to transition to home. And we lost that and, re, and filled it with more work time. So, w- the, the whole point of bringing all this up is people want balance, but what balance is for one person is not balance for others. And so, as a psychologist, my argument, you know, both in favor and against what you're saying, Rajiv, is that it's not a one-size-fits-all world anymore. Right. Now, we've let the genie out of the bottle, and some people are going to want to and need to work from home, and some people are going to want to and need to work in an office. And organizations that are able to be flexible and allow for both, and and lean into the hybrid working and working model and working environment and meeting, will be really successful. Those who don't will continue to have this friction and this and this challenge of how do we make sure that we're working hard and doing well, even when we have people who are here or not here. Or, you know, it's going to be a, a more difficult uh, you know path to walk. And what we're
2: seeing, too, is a lot of self-selection. There are some organizations uh, that have decided we are going to be fully in the office. There are some that have decided we are going to be fully remote, and the majority are in the middle in that hybrid space. But, you know, Those who are fully in the office, they'll find people who will want to work in that environment because there are people who do want that um, other end of the spectrum as well. Um, But what has to happen is if you are amongst the majority who are saying, yes, we're going to allow for hybrid work, flexible work arrangements, that has to be something that is not just lip service. You actually need to have everything that is required to support it. So that means a change in processes, it means a change in technology that allows for that to happen, Uh, and really kind of a a strategy around how do we make sure that we're not creating a two-tier system where those who are in the office somehow have an advantage in terms of access to information and opportunity versus those who are remote.
0: That's that's very yeah. interesting. You know, one aspect that you touched upon, uh, Joseph, there was uh, the transition to work and transition to office. That's so true, right? You you mm-hmm. you you really clicked when you stepped out of your home into the car mm-hmm. to get to wherever you wanted to go or whatever transportation mode you had, and then you clicked once you shut off and then got out of the office, right? Yep. So. so how do you see that happening in in a virtual setting with people? You know, you you're moving from your bedroom to your study and then back. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is there a ritual to be followed there? Yeah.
1: So one of the things that came that uh, was suggested in in some of the news and, and popular press was the idea of stimulating your your um, your commute, right? By saying okay. What what did you do before to get into the mode of working? Because people were struggling to get in the mode of working. They they commute, but then they they get the TV on and they'd be like, oh, it's the Today Show, and they'd be they or whatever, and they'd be and they just get absorbed into whatever's going on there, and then they lose an hour of their work time. So the people were having a difficult transitioning. So psychologists and others were saying, hey, people take cues. You have these natural cues that you've built up around transitioning to work or transitioning to home, and so they the, the suggestion was you need to simulate some of that to some degree. And by doing that, it helps to transition your mind from home person to working person, right? Um, and that works for some people. It doesn't work for everyone, but that's one way that uh, that was suggested as a way to to do that, right? And so, if you had a half an hour commute well, in the morning, maybe you, you figure out a way to okay. I'm going to get up. I'm going to eat, eat, eat my breakfast, and then I'm going to you know sit and listen to my the book that I've been working on, listening to while that I'm driving. Just just sit in a comfortable seat, uh, probably more comfortable than your car seat, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, and listen to it. And then when it, when you've gotten to you know set a timer when you get to that half an hour or whatever your commute was, turn it off. Get up like you're getting out of your car and walk to your you know where the location in your home where you're going to be working right and so i think that's that's one way to simulate it right and it's and it like i said it can work for some people it doesn't work for everyone
0: you know one of the things that that we have seen right during the pre pandemic uh, you know 2019 times yeah whether you stepped into the office into a meeting or whether you were on camera like this you were always formally dressed right you were formally dressed sure. You were you wanted to look good, you and you you were in an, an environment and atmosphere where there were no noises, and you were truly embarrassed if uh, if your dog barked or you know if, if your mm-hmm. child yapped or something like that. Yep. We've become more accommodating now. You know we are in meetings where you know there might be some people that are in their pajamas, there might be uh, a cat in their lap or a dog uh, or kids playing in the background. Uh, you know the TV running. You know, that's a transition and we've accepted it. We've become more empathetic to it because of the situation that we were all in. With the changes post-pandemic, how do you see that evolving? Will we still continue to be that uh, empathetic to it? Will we be so tolerant or will we go back to our old ways?
2: I think it's moving away from being embarrassed about those uh, cat cameos and kid cameos and and figuring out how to address it as efficiently as possible. Um, So that means oftentimes, you know, saying, excuse me just a minute, muting your audio, uh, turning off your video, addressing whatever needs to be addressed, and then coming back and getting back down to business as quickly as possible after a short apology. You know, I think one of the things that has happened, as you mentioned, Rajiv, is that there's been this level of empathy that has developed. Uh, over the past several years, for you know people's personal challenges and their situations, and and that is a good thing. I think yeah, that we're seeing absolutely. our our employees, we're seeing our teammates, we're seeing our customers as whole people, you know, rather than just their roles, and so that's created a, a different sort of dynamic in the workplace. Um, but I think there also has to be an understanding that. Even though you might be in a more relaxed environment, that does not mean that you can fully relax your level of professionalism. So, what I always suggest is you know, make sure you're matching audience expectations. You know, if you're meeting with a key opinion leader and you're showing up in your pajamas because you know you're still at home that's not going to (laughs) fly. You need to think about Mm -hmm. how you would be showing up for a meeting with them in person. Now, if you are meeting with your team and that is the culture that allows you to show up in your pajamas and they're fine with that, then good. But you always have to be thinking about how you want to portray yourself uh, to the people you're meeting with on the other side.
0: Makes sense. So, Let's talk about your books, you know, Suddenly Virtual and Suddenly Hybrid. Uh, can you kind of give us an overview of what can uh, uh, readers expect?
1: Yeah, I'm ha- happy to to kick this off and, and Karen can can chime in because uh, she she knows them just as well or better than I do. Uh, so Suddenly Virtual, as you know, happened shortly after the pandemic, uh, you know, really kind of sunk in that we were going to be in this for a while. Uh, we wrote it in October of 2020 and it came out in, in March of, of 20. Was it March? I, I, don't was, I don't Honestly, remember. I don't remember. Sometime in 2021, sometime a thousand years ago. When <laughs> we read a lot of books <laughs> down, in a short period of time. Right? Um, <laughs> and this was really focused on this notion that we have to make this work, this virtual environment we had to make it work. And so what people can expect is um, to see some data, which is what I'm really excited about talking about is the fact that in October of 2019, for whatever reason, I thought, you know what, I'm doing a lot of these virtual meetings. Maybe I should start studying these because I've been studying for the most part, face to face to face meetings, which is great, but now we were—I was kind of curious about this, so I did this October 2019, collected data. Then in uh, May of 2020, uh, 2020, I was like, "Well, you know what? Now we're all we're all experiencing this. Let's collect data." again from those same people and that's what suddenly virtual does it says okay here's what life was like pre-pandemic here's what life is now that we're all kind of living in this in this virtual environment right and talks about what does that mean what does it look like how did we get from you know 80% of our meetings being face to face to now only you know 10% of them being face to face and being 70% in a in a virtual environment and then we talk about tips and tricks and ways to to be present on camera and this is you know Karen's con- you know major contribution is really how do we how do we engage with the camera and with the people in the room uh, when we're in a virtual environment? And then as we, you know, as the, the time passed, uh, you know, and we all kind of had this uh, moment where we thought, oh, are we coming to the end of it? It was like June of 2021 um, and it was before Delta, it was before Omicron. And so we we're kind of like, oh, it's summer and it's going to get back to normal. And so I, we collected data right at that moment, right? Uh Granted, we know the pandemic didn't end then, but there was lots of organizations who were starting this transition to a hybrid environment. So we asked people, how are you doing with that? And that's what Suddenly Hybrid is about. It's about, okay, what are, what's that experience like and how are people doing it and what can be done to make it really, really effective? So it's really like if you're doing virtual meetings, Suddenly Virtual is going to really tell you how to do it um, and help you augment the skills you've already developed. And Suddenly Hybrid is for those who are starting this transition to the hybrid environment saying, okay, here's how you make the hybrid meeting work and make it work really well for you and for your team. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's a fascinating complementary uh, series. In fact, uh, I, we've noticed that people who have started reading Suddenly Hybrid have found Suddenly Virtual and been like, hey, I should get this one as well because this one's really helping me. So it's okay. been kind of fascinating to see that.
2: Yeah. And, suddenly, and both books, I would say, Rajiv, are very um, action-oriented and practical. There is, of course, theory. Uh, my co-author being a meeting scientist, there, of course, <laughs> is theory. Uh, but there's a lot of just specific things that you can do, like lots mm-hmm. of checklists, lots of um, you know, reflection activities, lots of, of ways that you can actually use it as a workbook uh, to be able to chart out your strategy, especially for a hybrid, because hybrid can be yep. challenging. You, you're dealing with a very complex communication environment, you have people who are in the same room. You have people who are calling in. You have people who are um, showing up on video. How do you get everybody to you know communicate effectively amongst each other? You know that requires a, a lot of work and a lot of intention. Uh, so that's why we want the book to be something that people can use, um, not just to you know think about. Oh, this sounds like a good, good concept, but rather to say, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because Karen and Joe told us why X, Y, and Z work. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, where can people find these books?
2: Anywhere you buy books. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, you can. So, and 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 any anything online, you're certainly going to find suddenly virtual and suddenly hybrid. Uh, and Lo- Joe's founded in his yeah. local Barnes and Noble.
1: I, I have, I have. So, <laughs> Amazon's a great site. Uh, there's lots of other sites, other places where people order their books from. Uh, that's that's probably your best bet. Um, bookstores are starting to carry these books as well. Um, I I'm, I was excited to see it in in the wild, as it were, uh, and myself uh, recently, and so. Just uh, go, go find it, uh, go enjoy it. I think it's, uh, we, we hope that you will enjoy it as much as we did just uh, writing it, so.
0: Are you guys working on a third in the series with uh, how things are changing now?
1: <laughs> Someday,
2: Joe, we'll actually launch a book and not be writing another one at the same time. I don't know when that's going to happen, but the answer is yes, Rajiv. So we're excited about this. Um, it's part of the Dummies series. So, you know, Zoom for Dummies, Slack for Dummies. We're writing running effective meetings for Dummies.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And what's uh, for people that want to get in touch with you? What's the best way to contact you?
1: So for me, just check out my website, www.joeallen.org. Uh, there's my my contact information is there. There's a contact to Joe uh, button and there's my books are listed there. It has all sorts of information about all the science of meetings. Uh, so if you're interested in some of the egghead research that I do, uh, it's available there. Uh, and so happy to, happy to have people go there and then reach out. I would love to answer people's questions, uh, connect in, in a meaningful way uh, with anyone who would like to.
2: Fantastic. And and if you want to contact me, the best place to go is through our company website, uh, which is speakerdynamics.com. We do a lot of training ranging from one-on-one to uh, some online training through Speaker Dynamics University that allows it to scale so people can learn how to navigate this new way of meeting and getting business done through a webcam.
0: That's pretty awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing um, you know, your stories as well as the work that you have done. Absolutely needed in current times and a lot, a lot of confusion out there in terms of uh, mm-hmm. the work environments that we currently have. Uh, I'm sure the listeners are going to reach out and uh, wish you the very best in your future endeavors. Thank you. Raju. Thank you.